Welcome to episode 15 of Professional Balance, a bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast. On this episode, we will discuss creating collaborative communities versus the leadership of a idealistic, charismatic visionary versus simply not giving a about anyone else's opinion at all. How can we balance working with others closely or as a part of a group while retaining control over your process and individuality? Can you lead and follow at the same time? Can you manage these opposite ideas to be balanced? And if so, how? Now, no one can do everything, know everything, and manage all aspects of a business at the same time. This is why collaboration, delegation, and partnerships exist. We need other people with different skills, experience, and perspectives to add to our pursuits in order to be successful. No one has ever risen to great heights by themselves. But there are many great ideas have been spoiled by too many cooks in the kitchen. The biggest and most successful, because they are often very disruptive, ideas come from charismatic visionaries who control every part of the process. Every great team has leadership core, but other employees, along with fans, customers, family, friends, and random strangers on social media all want to add their two cents by providing advice, ideas, etc. How do we balance all of that noise with possible good ideas? Let's talk about it. This long-form audio-only podcast is posted once a month as an opportunity to dive deep into the issues that challenge all entrepreneurs, business owners, career builders, and decision makers. How to balance what seems to be contradictory viewpoints in business and personal life. More than just work-life balance, we examine a variety of this or that scenarios. Let's get started. Right off the bat, working with others is essential to success. There's no debating that. The range of skills, experience, connections, and backgrounds that other people bring to your collaborative process are necessary and essential to be successful. Also, the diversity of thought that comes with other people's perspectives, backgrounds, etc. You can't stop at the standard, that's how we've always done it, when there are other people in the process who haven't always done it that way. It automatically doesn't allow you to go to the most common pitfall in developing an idea or a process, which is the easy route. New ideas don't come from old thinking. So why would you want to only work by yourself or with people who agree with everything that you say? You need to be challenged in your process in order to develop the best ideas. Business is about managing change. Being successful in business is the successful management of change because change is an ever-present and ever-poignant part of the process. The companies who do the best with change are the ones who are most successful, not ones who simply bully their way into sales or do something else that is transactionary. It is the management of change that creates the potential for success. The management of change happens best when, again, you have a variety of people examining the aspects, looking at what's happening, the factors involved, internal, external, in your control, out of your control, etc., and then coming to up with different ideas about how to react to that change. Typically, then, a combination or a variation of those ideas is what is the best route for moving forward or the best way to manage change. 
So the more experience you have on your team, the better. The more experience with the specific type of change that you have, or the more experience in your industry, with your consumer, with the, in, the marketplace itself, the more experience you have, the more likelihood you have of having a successful outcome. Being able to offer alternatives or different ideas from different perspectives comes from, again, having more than yourself on the team. The more people, the more perspectives, the more input, the more alternatives you can have to how to adapt to change when necessary. Also, confirmation of your best ideas. When you get a consensus amongst a group of people with a diverse background, skill set, and thought process, you've actually probably come to the right decision. So you can feel solid in your decision-making process if you can build consensus amongst a group of people and not an individual or two. Now, ultimately, uncertainty is bad for business. You see that in the world right now with energy prices, with war in Europe, with all kinds of other political strife that creates uncertainty. That certain uncertainty has a ripple effect to consumers, to business owners, to everyone in the process of business. So the more input you have from more options, the more analysis of what's happening around you, what you're doing well, what you need to improve upon, what you're doing poorly, what your competitors are doing, what the market is offering, what your consumers are looking for, what they're capable of doing because of other factors in the world, what the uncertainty means to you directly and indirectly, et cetera. All of those factors need to be analyzed and understood. One person probably can't do all of that. They need the help and support of multiple people, again, with multiple experiences, multiple skill sets, multiple backgrounds, in order to create an idea that can be universal when it comes to how to manage uncertainty, which is very bad for business. Of course, having people on your team, having people on your side, employees, vendors, collaborators, contractors, etc., helps you spread the workload. There's so many things that have to happen in any business. Even a small business has tens, 20, sometimes hundreds or thousands of moving parts or actions that need to happen on a regular basis. The more people possible, the more manageable it is to handle the workload, to your ability to cover more ground, whether it is physically and geographically be in different places at different times or accomplishing different things at the same time or doing different things with different skill sets at the same time. You can cover more ground with more people involved in the process. You can also replace your weakest link if necessary. If you have a team of one, there's no one to replace. All failure is yours. If you have a team of two, you have a 50% chance of being the weakest link. But if you have a team of 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 or 500, there are a certain amount of those people who will be considered the weakest of them. The last, the bottom 10%, the bottom 5%, the bottom 2%, however you look at it. If you continue to keep them on your team, you're just dragging down or your organization's always strong as your weakest link. Or you can replace that weakest link with someone better than them. Now, you'll always have someone who is ultimately your weakest link or the least impactful upon the business. And sometimes that's okay because their role is least impactful. And it also comes with their pay scale and their responsibility levels as well. 
but you have the option to replace low performers when you have a larger team with movable parts. And if tragedy were to happen, if unforeseen happen, uh, incidents were supposed to happen, um, not supposed to happen, I should say, but do, and sometimes this is a employee leaving the organization unexpectedly. Sometimes it comes with illness. Uh, the last two years, we've all been dealing with COVID, keeping people out of the workforce. It could come something with their, with family issues or even worse, and you know what I mean, so I'm not going to say it out loud, but you can avoid personal tragedy bleeding into business tragedy, tragedy by being able to move other people or parts of other people's roles into a position where it can take on the role of the person or people who need to be away from the business for other reasons that are very unavoidable. So avoid tragedy by having a team that can carry the load or spread across more than one individual. If it's one individual who's in charge of everything and they are the person who is ill, who is unavoidably detained, who cannot come to the office or in the worst case scenario passes away, every bit of work, every bit of progress, everyone's employment, every paycheck, and every business transaction based upon that goes away. At the very least, are stalled out, which is very negative and ultimately will result in a lot of people who were in business with you, whether they're vendors, subcontractors, retailers, etc., being negatively effective. So not having a singular person who handles everything and having a team that can spread about responsibilities, task, workload, etc., has a more options and more ability to make changes. We talked about how, how important change was earlier, managing change and pushing back on uncertainty. When uncertain things happen or things outside of your control within an organization, being able to react to them because you have a variety of people who can do a variety of things. At the same time, it's faster and more effective. It's best to work with others, collaborators, partners, employees, vendors, and then look for the public input as your audience, the person, the people that you're selling to. You don't have to give up control to this mob, though. The importance of understanding your audience and providing them a product or service in the way that they expect it, setting and meeting expectations is a core tenet of business. But that doesn't mean the mob gets everything they want. If that were the case, Rolexes would be $5 and Mercedes would be $10. There are points where you can't lower a price, where you can't up production, where you can't do it in the color that one person asked for, etc. But the balance of that is the majority of your consumers should be interacting with your product or service in a way that is beneficial, adds value, and makes sense for them in their life. So your audience, your marketplace should be guiding your decision-making as to what your product or service is, how it's packaged, pricing, delivery, etc. All of the fine points of the actual transactional part of business. But there are limits and limitations based on cost, on availability, on profit margin, et cetera. Don't ever feel about bad about making profit. Every business has to make profit in order to survive those areas of uncertainty. So 
You have to be profitable in order to be successful in the long run. All of those factors move in. There are plenty of times you can say yes and need to say yes and will say yes. And there are plenty of times you need to say no, will say no, and can say no to your audience, to your consumer. Sometimes moving past the broader idea of who your audience is to a more specific uh, part of your audience, a subset, if you will, but will be very happy with the transactional process because you can set and then meet those expectations. The input as to what the audience wants the first time you ask them will become broad and gray and hard to understand. The second time you ask them, it becomes easier. And the third and the fifth and the hundredth time. And by asking them is by doing marketing, by presenting the product, by trying to engage them in transactions, and then receiving the feedback, positive or negative, in that aspect. Again, you're not letting the mob dictate what your business is but you are letting a very specific group of people who are willing to spend their time and money first to give you their attention, then to be attracted, and then to create a transaction to to support you with money, with an economic factor, with input from them, with actual business transactions, which is the whole point of your business to begin with. When they do that, you now have a blueprint to repeatable transactions and business that can be sustainable and built upon. So you do want to listen to those aspects, no matter what kind of business you're in, no matter who your audience is. You can't get too tied up the first time you go to market with what your opinion of the audience is and should be, what you want them to think. You can't force ideas down people's throats. You have to provide something that is attractive, it has value, and has a potential to be something they want, and then gauge their reaction for how you adapt, adjust, and move forward the second time and the third time in your offerings. But again, not the mob, not everyone who is on Twitter, not everyone who's on Facebook, not everyone who walks into your storefront and says, that's too expensive, it's too large, it's too small, I don't like that color. They're not in charge of every aspect of how you react. But your core audience, the I would pay my money for it if it was this, are people that you can take input from. So it's not just internal processes, internal teams, putting people together who work behind the scenes, but you have to be listening to your audience, to your consumer, to your clients, to the people in the business process as well in order to be successful. So again, being the sole individual who wants to drive the bus like a dictator doesn't seem like it's very realistic in a world where the audience expects their input to be put into your process. And modern audiences in 2022 absolutely expect that they express themselves because they expect you to react to it as the business owner. You have limitations, you have things you have to achieve, there are factors outside of their control, which is why you ignore the noise of random people on the internet and people who make comments or provide feedback without putting their money down or at the very least beginning a transactional process or developing a business relationship with you that could potentially and eventually become a transactional process. You have to pay attention to the people who are going to do business with you. Don't pay attention to everyone else. Sometimes those everyone else are people internal. They have different reasons for wanting to make different decisions. You have to stay focused on your strategy, on your audience, on your market position and how you do business, not on how, what something that 
people in different departments want, not because someone wants to get credit for an idea, and definitely not because someone else's friend or cousin or wife or neighbor or old college professor told them there's a better way of doing things. Until those people want to spend some time or money putting effort in or making a transaction, they're simply part of the noise. So you don't have to give up control of the mob. But how do you manage this process? It's different for every person as a leader, for every business model, for every audience subset, that's for sure. But there are systems in place. There are, there are marketing processes. There are systems. There are best practices that you can apply to if you are a leader who has built a collaborative community around your product or service in order to best understand your audience and how to best market to them, how to create win-win transactions, and how to provide value for them and profitability for you at the same time. But not letting the mob run your business for you, which takes you to the other side of the equation, that you don't have to let other people's opinions shape your opinion if they have not done the work or made an investment. Experience matters, your experience and your sweat equity. The fact that you're willing to take risk and put yourself on the line by starting a business, by managing a business, by investing in it, by being employed within a business, by giving back to a business with your time, your efforts, your energies, your ideas, all of that matters. Best practices within your industry, within the type of business that you're in, with the employees and their backgrounds for their different areas of expertise, best practices are important as well. This is why you were in the leadership position is to make these decisions, to guide the process and to not be easily swayed by the noise of the mob, but also not be 100% locked into your initial idea the way you had it in your head when you started this process. There is again an, a balance between those two things. Your vision as the leader and what something can be, should be, and could be versus what the audience is looking for. And again, if you go past just an audience down to most likely to buy, which is a subset within the subset of your target audience, their input is highly valuable because it really relates to transactions. Other people's input has less value and can be balanced less against your initial vision if you are a strong leader who feels you have a strong vision. If you feel like you have a vision that it can be successful if adaptable or if managing change in the right way, because you understand that's how business works is managing change, then the input from your internal audiences and your external audiences can lead you down the path of most potential success. But you are the leader you are in this position for a reason to make these decisions. Don't get stuck on what you, where you started and the vision you had to begin with, but also don't be ruled by the mob. You have the most to lose. If you're the sole driver, if you're the dictator, if you're the visionary, if you're the guy or girl at the top, if you're the person in charge, you have the most to lose if it fails. Thus, you have the most consideration to take and your opinion your experience, your background, and your skills have more weight than anyone else. So you can drive the process, but still understand you need the input from your internal and external audiences as well. 
If you don't, this will close you off to new ideas. New ideas is where disruption comes from. Disruption is often where the highest profitability happens for a business. Uber disrupted the taxi industry. Airbnb disrupted the hotel industry. Amazon disrupted retail shopping. Apple disrupted the smartphone and personal electronics model. All of these big ideas came from visionaries who had an idea of how to disrupt or change. Thus, they took the biggest risk. Thus, they have the highest reward. Disruptors have to be open to new ideas. Disruptors can't be 100% locked into an initial idea or else they'll miss the opportunity to truly disrupt the industry they are looking to break into. Inventive and innovative designs also come from being open to new ideas. You can be a strong leader, you can present a vision, and you can guide your company with that vision without cutting yourself off to innovation and new inventive ideas. It's the same thing as being open to being disruptive. You can do that as a strong leader and incorporate that balance that with the initial idea, with the vision, and with the path that you've set the business on. But you don't have to listen to all the noise, the outsiders, the mob. They're often very ignorant of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, the limitations you have the things that you've tried that have not been successful in the past, etc., they can also be just downright malicious. Some people just want to see people fail. That's why it's important to not pay too much attention to noise, but do pay attention to people who are transactional with you. You can be you cannot be everything to everyone. That doesn't mean you have to be extremely singular in how your business is run. Doesn't have to be the boss's way or the highway. But it also can't be everything to everyone. There is a balance. And as the leader, as the person in charge, you have to find that balance. It probably isn't 50-50. It's probably closer to 70-30. But sometimes it's 99-1. And those places are hard to work for and with. And often you drive away your best people. Only your target audience matters. Most other opinions don't. But you can use your focused marketing process to continually improve. It doesn't have to be right the first time. It probably won't be right the first time. It probably can't be right the first time you go to market with your product or service. But a continual improvement process can make it better, can make it attractive, can create transactions, and then create sustainable, repeatable business if you pay attention to that target subset and not the noise of the mob. You can pay attention to trusted advisors internally, but you don't have to pay attention to everyone in your business because of the level of responsibility and input that they have that are playing their role on the team. You need a variety of inputs. You don't have to listen to them or weigh them at the same level every time. You can create improvements from the internal process because of leadership. You can lead the way, you can be insistent on things that are necessary, and you can be collaborative or cooperative on things that you find to have little impact or little restriction on the business itself. 
Finding ways to balance these things out are really good ideas. Improvements can only come from those who are invested. People who are invested, you are as the boss, the leader, your target consumer who give you their attention, their attraction, their economics through transactions, eventually referrals, possibly even brand evangelism. Everything else is just noise. Talk without action is useless. People spitting ideas at you, telling you how to do things, providing their opinions and advice on social media in the real world are unnecessary and unvaluable without an action to come behind it. If they're not willing to put their money where their mouth is, then their mouth is irrelevant. Action without logic is damaging. So even though someone has an idea, they have a proposal, there's something that can be done. Doesn't mean it should be done. It has to be logical. It has to be best practice. It has to be something that comes from experience and knowledge or research and analysis not simply because someone had an idea. And sometimes people have wrong motivations. Those motivations often are because they are looking for credit. They're looking for an opportunity. They're looking to do something for themselves. And decision-making based on an individual, even if that individual is the top boss, the head person in charge, decision-making for a business organization that benefits a individual first is not sustainable, thus is not a good idea because it can't be replicated or built upon. Even if it's a good idea, it won't be sustainable if it comes from a singular place from the benefit of a single individual. I told you earlier, uncertainty is bad for business. That is true as well when you as the boss are being the visionary leader because there can be confusion, there can be struggle, there can be the balance of people's egos versus the experimentation, the ideas, the disruption, the things that could put your business in a better position. Who gets credit? Who deserves it? And why? All of that uncertainty can come from a leader who is too rigid in their approach or too flexible in their approach. And again, you have to balance how much dedication you have to the original idea, the original vision, how much of it is you and how much of it is everyone else. Balance that out with what makes sense, what's logical, what can be measured upon, reported upon, repeated, and built upon sustainably, and balance that with the efforts of the people that you are collaborating with, internal and external, your audience, the factors inside and out, etc. All of these things have to be rounded up and put together in your decision-making process as that leader. So ultimately, what if... You just simply follow the idea that there's a subtle art to not giving a f- There's freedom in not giving a f- You're free to take all the credit, but you're also free to crash and burn by yourself. Taking all the risk gives you all the credit, but also gives you all of the negative attributes if there is failure. Opinions without investments are worthless. So again, looking for your business partners, employees and vendors and customers looking for them to invest as opposed to just talk. If they talk without investing time, ideas, effort, or money, why do you give a f-? Some pretty famous examples of people over the last 18 months who simply don't give a f-. Kanye West, or as they call him now, Yee. You love him, you hate him, he doesn't care. 
He has a very strong, very singular vision is taking him to great heights multiple times. And he has now generated billions of dollars in economic value around his very strongly held ideas as a creative visionary, as someone who is completely different than anyone else. Not saying it's good or bad. I don't like his clothing. I don't like his shoes. I do like his music. He does some things that make people very angry. He makes thing, does things that make a lot of sense, and he does things that do not make a lot of sense, but he does not care about anyone else's opinion. But he has a huge team of people. He started as a music producer. That is a, group, a person or a group of people working with the artist to get the best out of their music. He has a team around him now on the fashion side, on the music side, on the publicity side, just on the logistics side. Tens, twenties, probably hundreds of people work for Kanye. He has a huge team. So as much as he does not care about anyone's opinion of anything, of his tweets, of his fashion, of his actions, he works with a ton of people who make it look like he doesn't give. Elon Musk does not give an. He does what he wants when he wants because he is absolutely brilliant. Because his rockets work. Because his electric car works because the systems he made at PayPal and other places work. He's brilliant. He's genius. He gets away with not having to care other people's opinion about him. He obviously has hundreds, maybe thousands of employees across multiple businesses as people helping him invest his funds. He has a, a small group of trusted advisors. He has a wife, maybe, maybe not. It's hard to say these days. But there are people in his lives that he collaborates with, although his outward presence is that he does not care. Joe Rogan, very successful $100 million deal from Spotify. A lot of people angry at him now. He does not care about people being angry at him. He also, one of the aspects of people being angry at him is they don't like some of the guests who have come on his show and expressed certain opinions or stated certain things that they consider to be facts. He also will bring on people who will contradict previous and future guests and tell them my last guest said the opposite of that. Can you, can you back that up with anything? He'll tell people so-and-so is coming on my show in two weeks. They're going to contradict what you're saying. He gives people an opportunity to express themselves and doesn't get caught up in the minutia of, I hope it doesn't make anyone mad. And it's been a successful platform for him. And he's gained a huge, extremely loyal following because He is not trying to censor or control the process. He's simply trying to put as many people in the process as possible, which in and of itself is his vision, his dedication to how he wants things done. He's willing to take the heat, take the blowback in order to accomplish that. Baker Mayfield, NFL quarterback, is another great example. Baker does not care if you like him or not. And I know some of you right now are saying, wait, he's not very successful. He's about to be traded from the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns haven't won very much. Well, guess what? He's a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he has about 10 endorsement deals. He's on every commercial on every channel, including Super Bowl commercials. He's making a ton of money. He's been super successful considering he was a person who was cut from his original college team. He had Texas Tech, was benched, was not going to be the quarterback, walked on to the University of Oklahoma, which is, has an abundance of quarterback talent won the the job, went from a walk-on to a Heisman Trophy winner to a first-round number one draft choice in the NFL with guaranteed number one money in his pocket. So 
you might think that Baker Mayfield is not a successful guy. He's an uber successful guy, unless you are Tom Brady. And if you're Tom, if you're listening to the podcast, I appreciate you. And I'm, I'm interested to see what happens when you come back after retirement, unretirement. But if you're not Tom Brady, then Baker Mayfield is more successful than you. And he does not care that you do not like him. Another person who does not care if you like him or not is Conor McGregor. In fact, most UFC fighters probably don't care how much you care about them, but they do have fans. They do sell merchandise to you. He has invested in businesses. He has brands that he represents, etc. So he does have to work with other people. He does have to collaborate. At the same time, he is stuck in his core idea of who he is, who he could physically manage or not in the ring or out, and the things he says in public. Connor is that guy which is fine because it's authentic. He, but he also has a team of people, management, collaborators, brands he represents, etc. investments that re- rely on him being a team player. So Conor McGregor does not give a but he works with a lot of people who do. Nick Cannon is another example. He's all over the TV. He's the host of The Masked Singer. He's the host of his own program on MTV. He has, I think, a side satellite radio show. I think he's probably, I'm sure, got a podcast or two. He's also got multiple babies from multiple women in the same time period. There's a lot of things he does that people would find questionable. He says some questionable things about people's race and ethnicity. He has some interesting ideas. He doesn't care if you like it or not, but he works in production. He works as a talent, as a producer, as a a part of a big team when it comes to producing TV and movies. So he has to work with other people, but he does not care what you think about him. And from fan fiction, Tony Stark. Tony Stark is brilliant. He's Iron Man, of course. He's a fictional character in the Marvel movies, but Tony does what Tony wants to do because he's brilliant. He assumes that his brilliance will make up for any mistakes he makes by not including others. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, sometimes he messes up things worse than before, and sometimes that ultimately leads him to face off with the ultimate bad guy. That's Tony Stark. He's a fictional character, but he does not give a So how do you balance these ideas out? How do you balance being collaborative and building a community around what you're doing, being a visionary leader, or simply not giving a That's the last time I'll do that one, I promise. Use your head to guide your gut. Be smart and be logical, but follow your gut. I found my gut, and most people I talk to, their gut is typically right. So, something feels good if a decision feels right, and there is some logic and some something within your system that you can put behind it, that's probably the right direction to take. Simple is often the best. The first idea, the simplest idea, the easiest version of something is often best and a great starting place in order to get your process began and then take input from, again, your most direct consumer, not the mob, not necessarily employees, but sometimes employees, if those ideas have logic and merit and bring value, you can create a more complex version, second, third, and fourth time. So get started with what you know. Not by something you simply believe or you guess, but what you know, what you can find to improve to be true through research, through data analysis, etc. Build systems for decision-making. Don't make your decision-making for organizations simply 
a group decision because group decisions are often slow and wrong, but also don't make it the iron fist of the dictator at the other end of the spectrum because it can be uninformed and wrong. Somewhere in between is the right balance. Every organization, every leadership team and leadership style is different, but you have to find balance between those things. The more decision-making is based on the system of listening to your audience, seeing what has been beneficial and profitable in the past, repeating that, sustaining current sales, doing things that are currently working, more of those, less of things that didn't, continual improvement can almost make all the decisions for you or at least highly inform the decisions you do need to make. So build systems for decision-making, not relying on individuals whose egos and personalities can get involved, including you as the leader. Avoid anyone who wants to override that system you've built because of their ego or any other reason. They have the wrong intentions, the wrong motivations, and it's not sustainable. It's probably not a good idea to have someone on your team who thinks they're bigger than the team, even you, as the leader. If that's the case, you won't have a team anymore. So stay away from people who find themselves to be bigger, better, smarter, or more important than the team and the sum of all parts. So when you build a decision-making process, don't let people go around it. Don't let them override it. And the people who constantly try are probably, it's a red flag for you that they're probably not the right person for your organization. Be open to those people who are open. You can be open-minded. You can be accepting of ideas, have conversations, have debate, have a discussion with someone who is willing to discuss with you, to debate with you, to be open to your ideas and your feedback as well. If they're open to you, you can be open to them. And together, you can create something that is probably better than what you could do individually because you both come from the same place of trying to solve a problem or answer a question than some a place of wanting to be right or proving yourself better or more important. Actions speak louder than words. Doesn't matter what people tell you, it's what they do. They have to invest their time, their effort, their attention, their attraction, their economics. If they're not willing to invest in any of those things, their opinion doesn't mean I lied. That was the last time. I couldn't help it. I thought that was funny. Their actions need to speak louder than words. People who won't follow up their words with actions are irrelevant. Common sense is just that. It is common. If it seems right in the back of your head, if it seems right in your gut, if it seems wrong, follow that intuitive idea. Follow your intuition, follow your gut, but follow your head and do the smart thing, the thing that makes the most sense for the most people. The most common sense is something that's typically a good idea and a good decision-making process. And I'm going to end this with a quote and give you two variations of what this means to you in this discussion. This quote is from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. What a great name. The quote is, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. Now, you as the leader, you need to do what's best for your business, which benefits everyone, not what benefits you the most directly. Doing what's best for the benefit of the business, the best for the benefit of the organization, for the group, for the sum. Doing what's best for more people than just you can make you a good leader when you need to balance how much of yourself and your vision you need to inject into your leadership versus 
how much input, collaboration, and context you need from your team, from your collaborators, from your community, from your organization, from your consumers. That balanced should be based on can you give more to others involved or are you making decisions that are more for you than them? Because that puts you on the outside of judging a character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. If you do for you first and for others second, it speaks ill of your character. You need to balance where you put others first, but you're continuing to benefit yourself by benefiting them, by benefiting all involved. That allows you to do something for others who have no ability to do anything for you, which is a good sign of high character. Now, on the, on the flip side, for other people, for the people on your team, the people you collaborate with, with your customers or your consumers, with your vendors, with your collaborators, are there actions that they take the best for them or the best for your business, your organization, for the group of people? Are they putting themselves ahead of the group or are they putting the group benefit, the benefit of all, ahead of theirs, but making a win-win situation, providing value for all where everyone benefits? Again, if they put themselves before the group, if they put themselves before the people who can do nothing for them without them, it speaks to their character. So think about that the next time you try to decide how to balance your decision-making process and your leadership style. Thanks for listening to the Professional Balance bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast. I'll be back next month with a new topic and a new podcast every Saturday with hustle and motivation advice from the office while the competition is still sleeping. Please subscribe, leave a review, and make a comment on social media about what balance issues you would like to hear discussed in this series in the future. Thank you. Saturday.